I can't recall if this was mentioned uh, during the announcements, but there will be a memorial service for Sue Rodruck, who passed away December 23rd. That'll be this Saturday at 7 p.m. Okay, just so you know that. I know that's coming up. I can't recall if that was announced or not, but if you could keep their family in your prayers, that would be wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, this morning, if you don't have a bulletin, you may want to signal an usher because the best way to look at the notes is in the handout you have in the bulletin. Anybody still need one of those? Are we good? I think we're good. Okay. Um, I want to talk vision a little bit. I want to talk about what we might be like a year from now. Hard to say exactly what you'll look like, what the church will look like a year from now. But I'm praying that God will do great things. But kind of to get our minds around the future and and things that that may or may not happen... I picked a little video to show us. Have you ever seen a time-lapse video? It's when people take their pictures and they kind of, pictures throughout their life, and they kind of morph them to make them look like they're aging progressively, okay? So I want to start the thing with a fun little video on a a time-lapse child who grows into a man. So if we have that ready to go, uh, check that out. I think he was 54 when the thing ended, okay? So <laughs> anyway, um, I love that. I don't know if you've ever seen those before, but I think there's software out there you can download and actually do that on your own. And some of you think that's really cool, and I know some of you think that's really creepy. But whatever you think, um, <laughs> in any case, <laughs> hard to say what you're going to look like in 20, 30, 40 years. And hard to say what we're going to be in a year at church. But I do think it's good to set some plans, have some goals, have some vision for what God may or may not do, and and try to accomplish those things. So it's in that kind of spirit that I want to talk this morning. Now, when I talk about vision and mission, I want to clarify, because for a lot of years it was hard for me to clarify what's mission and what what is vision. How are those things different? Well, well, mission is what we do day in and day out. It's kind of the, here's what we're trying to accomplish. And as you know, the church has three points to their mission, and we're going to get into all three of those today. Uh, so that's saying, on Monday, what are we trying to do at this church? Well, that's the mission. Vision is more like on the horizon. It's things that we're trying to accomplish, and, and, and it's a preferable future. Vision is kind of like if you close your eyes and say, where do I want to be in five years? What do I want to be doing? And, and a lot of times, we, I mean, when we talk to high school students, we ask them, what do you want to do with your life? What kind of college do you want to go to? And these are, these are vision questions. Now, the mission might be, what are you going to do right now to to get there? 
what needs to happen right now. But I'm not a, I'm not a firm believer in writing down vision and having vision statements. That, uh, personally, that's not where I'm at. I think of vision as more of this intangible, uh, almost like uh, looking at a good piece of art or, or listening to a great song on a CD, and it kind of brings in emotions. It kind of makes you think things and feel things. But it's very intangible. Not that you can't write them down. Not that you can't set goals. I do believe in goals. But, but as far as what the horizon looks like, I believe more in painting a picture. Here's where I would like to see us go. Here's where I think we should be going. Um, and, of course, understanding that ultimately it's where I hope God wants us to go, not just me. So in talking this morning with you, I wanted to start with the verse uh, John 1.14. Because if there's anything I hope that our church is characterized by, if people walk in here and they say these people are this way, I hope that it's John 1.14. Look at that with me. Uh, the Word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I really hope and I really pray that when people think about Three Lakes Church, they think here are people that are full of grace and truth. And that's a tricky balance. Because I've certainly talked to enough people um, in, in 10 years, 11 years of ministry that are full of truth. They're really good at saying, this is what the Bible says and you better line up with it. It's the holiness of God. These are his expectations. He's a God who's going to judge the world and judge, you know. So we got to make sure, you know, there's a lot of truth out there and we got to have the truth. If you get the truth without grace, though, you're going to end up shooting a lot of people. You're going to end up hurting a lot of people. It's going to end up being a painful thing for people to come in here if we're just truth. Because then we just want to hammer people and say, this is what you got to do. And there's a place for, of course, strong preaching and, and this is how it is. But then there's the side of grace. Grace says, wait a minute. We got to love the people we're speaking the truth to. Are we caring about the whole person or just their salvation? Sometimes, you know, we get into that, that thing where we, we only care about people getting saved. And of course, that's the ultimate. There's nothing bigger than that. But... At the same time, people have needs. And so to balance grace and truth means we care about how they're doing in life. How are their families doing? How are they doing financially? Can we help them? Can we support them? Can we encourage them? Of course, if you go too far in grace, you end up being the kind of person that says, everything's okay, and you can do all the sinning that you want. We'll accept you, and it's not a big deal. God doesn't require much. Just come in here, and it's all fine. But that's not true either. To be only grace is, 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 to, is to be, everything's okay. It's not focusing on the holiness of God or the judgment of God, which are very real things. So we've got to be careful. We want to balance. And so what, what I would like to see more than anything else is for this church, for the people to be characterized by grace and truth. That's a balance. And it's, it's hard to get that balance right. It's hard to look someone in the eye and say, there's some problems here. And I want to gently talk about them with you. Not an easy thing to do. But if we can get that balance right the way Jesus got that balance right, yes, there'll still be people mad because people were still mad at Jesus, right? But Jesus is our example of how to do this. I want to focus on him this year. I, I think we ought to do that. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But as I talk about the mission statement of the church and where we're going, I really hope that we can weave in this idea of grace and truth in all of these things. 
So as I talk, if you hear that verse keep coming out, that's intentional, okay? So let's talk about our mission statement. Um, We exist to connect people to God through Jesus Christ. We exist to um, grow in Christ, and we exist to serve others. That's our mission statement. And what I've done in your notes and what you're going to see on the... I keep looking this way, and there's nothing there. Um, Right here, um, it's not good. Um, What we are trying to do... I've tried to picture as a baseball diamond. Yes, I stole this from Saddleback Church, Rick Warren. I don't think they're going to sue me for it. But um, anyway, uh, it's not his purpose-driven statement, though. These are the statements that we came up with, that your board came up with, that this is what we're trying to do as a church. Our mission statement is not just fancy words that try to sound like we're doing really great, important stuff. It's actually a process. It's actually a process. Now, thinking of it as a process, I like to get visual and so the picture is that of a baseball diamond. And if you're just starting out at church here, this is the process that we hope you go through in your walk with Christ, signified by a baseball diamond. So first base is connect. That's the C, connect. We exist to connect people to God through Jesus Christ. Now, connecting people to God uh, happens both as a program in this church, but also happens personally. And so I'm talking mainly this morning about the programming. Program-wise, we have the worship service every Sunday morning where we pray that you will bring people here to hear about Christ, to commit themselves to Christ. Many people have already done that. I I estimate, I've kind of been keeping a tally, somewhere between 15 and 20 people have committed themselves to Christ since last September when I came here. I don't credit that to me, but it's just just God working. God, God works. And just asking people, do you want to start a relationship with him? And people have said, yes, I want in. I want to be a part of this. So that is part of the mission of the church is to have worship services where we give people an opportunity to respond to Christ. I don't know where you stand with um, altar calls and and how this all works out. I know people that are maybe more Calvinist and more uh, sovereignty of God maybe wouldn't do as many altar calls and, and those that are more Arminian and free will, everybody has a choice, would probably do more altar calls. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. I hold those things in tension. You know, I can preach the gospel, and I trust God to move. And whether or not I lead in a special prayer at the end, I trust God to reach down and pluck people out of judgment and for people to respond in faith. I trust God to do that. But I also know it's nice to have that moment where you're able to be led in a prayer and put words in your heart to what you know God's doing there. And so I will often, frequently, as you've seen, give people a chance to respond. I believe that's an important part of what happens on Sunday morning. So um, connecting people to God through Jesus Christ. First of all, I think one thing that means is we have to be incredibly welcoming to anyone who walks in the doors of this church. I really like it. Uh, just confession time. I secretly enjoy it when someone says, Niall, who is that person you mentioned? I've never heard of that person before. Because I go, aha, I'm the new guy and I met him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, but it just reminds me that, that even though this is a small town, small community, small church, we've got people that are new here that they're not known by everybody else here. And it's our job to meet them. It's our job to welcome them. You don't know if it's their first Sunday or their 20th Sunday. It's still your job to meet them and to welcome them. Uh, Look at Genesis. It's in your notes here. Um, If you remember the story of Jacob and Esau, 
famous Bible story. Two brothers, they're twins, born on the same day. Esau was first, though, so he's the firstborn. And uh, they had a lot of conflict between them, right? Esau has a birthright. He gets this, this extra inheritance. And Jacob wants it. And being the scheming individual that Jacob is, one day Esau comes in from hunting, and, Jake, and, and Esau's starving, and he says, I want some of that, that food, that soup that you've got cooking. And Jacob says, oh, wait, you want some of this, and you've got to sell me your birthright. And Esau foolishly sells his inheritance to his brother, right? So whether you blame Esau, whether you blame Jacob, that's how it worked out. Jacob takes it a step further, and he also wants Esau's blessing from his father, so Isaac, being old and, and, and dim of seeing, uh, is laying there in his bed, and Jacob comes in dressed like Esau, hairy garment, because his brother was hairy, and he steals his brother's blessing as well. So Esau's furious. He's furious, and Jacob flees. And for a long time, Jacob's out there in the wilderness doing his own thing. He meets with God. He has some experiences there that are incredible. But then there comes the day when he's going to meet his brother. After all this time, and Jacob is so scared. He doesn't know how his brother's going to react. And so he sends these gifts along. Here's all of these animals. I wanna, I'm, he's trying to appease his brother. I think literally it reads, I want to appease his face. You know, that he's worried about the face of his brother Esau. And then you get to Genesis chapter 33, verse 10, and they meet. And what happens is Esau receives his brother warmly, lovingly. And Jacob says, No, please, if I found favor in your eyes, accept this gift, which is all these animals from me, to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you've received me favorably. He says, Seeing you accept me, welcome me after all that I've done, feels like God welcoming me and accepting me. When people walk in here and they see your face, I imagine they associate it with the face of God. That is, if people have a bad experience with people here, they say, I don't want anything to do with that church or their God. You ever hear that from people? People have so many bad experiences with the church. I mean, you hear about it. I mean, people go online and they go on these rants and raves and, and, and I read about this stuff and it's like, there are so many bad experiences out there from people. And they end up associating that experience with the God that we serve. They, they connect the two. Just like Jacob connected the two with Esau. When you accepted me, when you smiled on me, it was like God was smiling on me. So when we see people walk in here to the worship service for the first time, second time, third time, we have to be the ones warmly welcoming them. We have to give them the welcome of God. Say, God is happy that you're here, and I'm showing it by showing you that I'm happy that you're here. Smiles do that. Handshakes do that. Hugs do that. This is what we do as a church. We give people the welcome of God. So it'd be, it'd be no greater pleasure than to think a year later, we are that much more friendly. We were that much more welcoming. Whatever we had going now, we even kick it into high gear. And no one gets out of here without being greeted in the name of Jesus Christ. And people will begin associating that with how God sees them as well. 
Okay, so greet people, find people, look around. Let's do that. Um, the other thing about the connecting people to God through Jesus Christ is knowing that people are coming to a worship service, I think it's important to be strategic with the kind of worship that we do here. All right, And we have an interesting mix of worship. And I just want to tackle that right for a second here. We have some Sundays that are more contemporary and modern like today. And we have other, another team that is more traditional and we have more hymns. I don't know what you like. I'm one of those weird people that are kind of in the middle. Because I grew up with hymns. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. We did a lot of hymns. Went to Moody Bible Institute. They did a lot of hymns. And there's nothing like worshiping with 1,500 college students at Moody Bible Institute. I'm telling you, it's phenomenal. But I also love modern worship. There's something about more modern songs that, that grab my heart and won't let go. Okay? I don't know what it is, but there's something there. And yet we have both styles here. Now, I have not heard anyone complain to me. No one has come up and lobbied me to have one style over the other. And I'm thankful for that. And I pray that that continues. Look at, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Interesting that we have psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Different kinds of music. So if you're a hymn person, please sing passionately during the more modern worship courses. And if you love the modern stuff, please sing your heart out with the hymns and think about what they mean. There's something very deep about so many hymns and and, and you can sing them and they can be teaching you as you sing. That's an amazing thing. Think about them. Sing to them. I think it's great that we have a balance. And, and I don't see any reason to change that, you know, unless it's something strategic about our mission that, we're, that we say, okay, here's what needs to change because here's what we're trying to do. But right now, I see that both sides serve different people. And I've heard no complaints, and I love that. And I pray that that continues. And I pray that if we have youth group members up here leading in music that you've never heard before and, and getting a little bit rocky and a little bit rowdy, that you say, Praise God that they are so excited to worship. (laughs) Knowing that worship is not about what I get out of it. It's not. So for those that love the hymns that remind you of your youth, remind you of growing up in the church, if you don't get those so often, are you okay with that? Knowing that it's not about you. It's about praising Him. And if you love the modern worship and there's hymns going on and you say, can't we get out of the 1400s, you know, (laughs) Uh, please. Um, Will you understand that the great hymns of the faith are, are wonderful and they remind us of our rich history and you can sing them because it's not about what you feel during the worship service. It's not about the little high that you get when you raise your hands. It's about praising Him. And maybe try raising your hands on the hymns. See how that works, okay? So we have varied styles, and I love that here. I don't think that needs to change, you know, and if God does something different in the meantime and it does end up changing, okay, but this is a beautiful thing. So we exist to connect people to God through Jesus Christ. We do that program-wise through the worship service. What we do here is aim to reach both people in their, that are growing in their faith but also people that don't know anything about Jesus Christ. And of course, personally, and I'm not going to talk about this long, personally, of course, we expect you to do friendship evangelism, personal evangelism, 
share Christ with your friends and coworkers. It's not just about bringing them here. That'd be a bad thing if we just said, this is the way you get people saved. You've got to be sharing. And I do intend later in the year, I think, to do a uh, series on personal evangelism. How do you share your faith? Some practical ways to do that. So that's connect. Let's move on to grow. G for grow. We're on second base. Program-wise, the way we want to see people grow is in community groups. A lot of you already know that. We have these community groups. Some of them are sermon-based. Some of them are not. One of the changes, and this is part of the vision thing, one of the changes that we want to make is a small, subtle change, and that is we want to expand the umbrella of community groups to also include non-sermon-based studies, Bible studies, Christian book studies, okay? So this is just an expansion of what was already going on before community groups, I believe, were all sermon-based. We just want to make that a little bit broader, knowing that some people want to study a certain topic and they need that in that time in their lives. Maybe you want to do a marriage study because that's what you really need, and that's a good thing, okay? I know that's, that, that we have different needs in this church. Community groups help meet those needs, now, it's tempting to say, won't I get most of my spiritual input from the Sunday morning service? And, and that's partly true. It's not all the way true. When you think of, uh, well, I've fallen in this trap often. I used to think, why well, do I need to go to a small group if I can just hear the sermon and I do my own personal quiet times during the week? What do community groups give me that I don't already have? What I have found is community groups take it that extra step that ought to be always present. That is, you can listen to a sermon of mine and leave and not do anything with it. I'll never know unless I check up on you, but I won't. Um, <laughs> and uh, if I could figure out how, I would. Um, but, but you can leave out the doors, forget what was said, and just go on with your day and go on with your week. Community groups help remind you that we've got to make this thing real and practical that I really haven't learned theology until I've practiced theology. Okay? Jesus said it like this. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. That's great commission. But then he says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. He doesn't say, teaching them to memorize all the Psalms or, or teaching them everything to recite everything that I've commanded. He says, no, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. So if you haven't obeyed it, then you haven't gone far enough. Community groups help you go further because you're rubbing shoulders with other people in the community, sharing life with them, talking about your struggles, talking about what's going on with your kids, and it's mutually encouraging, and you grow together. I led a small group once in Watoma, and uh, we were doing a marriage study, and I remember sharing an example as part of the group. I'd planned to share the example. And it was a personal one from my life. And it was something that I had struggled with, uh, with a particular individual. And um, as I shared, I was hoping that it would help the group a lot. You know, this will help them hearing about my life. At the end of the study, that sounds kind of arrogant, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> at the end of the study, the, um, one of the gentlemen that was in the group, a good friend of mine, came up to me and said, now I really like the, the, the story that you shared, but I think there's something for you there in that story. I don't think this whole thing has been resolved in your heart. The, way I, the words that I heard and the emotion that I heard, I think there's something else going on here. And so we were able to dialogue on that. You know, you can't plan for that. 
So, so when you decide to do a small group, a community group, it's not like you're planning, I'm going to have these great conversations and we're going to, or, or, or I don't know what I'm going to get out of this, I'm just jumping in. No, no, God shows up in unexpected ways. That's what I've found at least. When you meet with believers and talk about the Bible, interesting things happen. And God moves. And you find yourself sometimes going places you didn't think you were going to go. And that is good. Sometimes uncomfortable, but good. So community groups are groups that meet uh, two to four times a month. They meet in people's homes primarily. There's a men's community group, a women's one. There's different ones that are uh, led by couples. Um, I invite you to consider strongly signing up for one. There's a table downstairs today. There's five different ones that are down there. I invite you to take a look at that. If you have uh, any interest in starting one, you could talk to me about that. But there's some down there to look at as it is right now. Consider it. We're not doing Sunday school for adults today, cross-training. I just want you to think and pray on that. Fellowship downstairs and consider maybe signing up for one. My goal, again, thinking vision here, I would love to see 75% of the church in community groups. That's what I would like to see. I'll just tell you that right now. I'm not sure what our percentage is right now, but as I'm thinking, that's the number that comes to my mind. Three-quarters of us I'd like to see actively involved in groups at least one time out of the year because there's a, we kind of do a uh, beginning-of-the-year season of about 10 weeks, then there's usually a summer session, then there's a fall session. And you can jump in and jump out. You don't have to be there forever. No one's signing you up to go eternally, just so you know. <laughs> Always good to say. Um, so Grow. Our primary strategy for growing people in their faith is community groups. Now that also means personally the expectation is that you're spending time in the Word of God on your own. I'm not preaching about that today, but just so you know, that's the expectation. You're not going to get everything you need from Sunday morning. You're not going to get everything you need from community groups. Please spend time on your own having quiet time with the Lord. Uh, The verse I go to, just so you kind of see what I'm thinking, Acts 2.42 Uh, The early disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. I see relational stuff going on here. I see them saying the apostles' teaching is important, fellowshipping together is important, breaking bread is important, praying for each other is important. I mean, at the very least, if you go to a community group and you're not into the, the topic of the study, at the very least, you're praying for one another. You're lifting each other up, and that's a huge benefit. Praying together. So grow. Uh, Lastly is serve. We exist to serve other people. In calling the groups community groups, one of the brilliant things about that is there's an emphasis on serving the community. The desire is that at least once a month your community group will go out and do something in the community to serve. Maybe you serve at the that was at the Northwood Shared Dinner, you know, and you help out there. Maybe you go to a nursing home and, and lead the folks in a little bit of singing of hymns. You know, I, I don't know. But you creatively come up with a way that you're going to reach out and help people. That's part of community groups. That's a community that you share together, but it's a going into the community to serve other people. Another element of serving others is also joining ministry teams. We have ministry teams at this church that exists to serve either people in the church or people outside the church. We support a variety of ministries, the food pantry being one of them. We have ushers. We have worship team members. We have a variety of ministry teams that you'd be welcome to join 
if you're gifted in that way, and serve the church. This is what Jesus, or this is what Paul said about what Jesus does when we get saved uh, in Ephesians. And I don't have that in front of me, so I'll quote it, hopefully. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you have that in your notes? Okay, I dropped that on my notes. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So when you got saved, the goal was not just fire insurance. It wasn't just, I get heaven. I mean, that's a big deal. You get heaven. That's amazing. But part of the goal of being saved is that I can bless other people. God has blessed me. Now I need to bless other people. How are we going to do that? How are we going to serve Three Lakes School, Eagle River School? How are we going to serve Honey Rock? How are we going to serve people who are in this economy right now who are hurting in a big way? How are we going to help them? How are we going to help shut-ins? How are we going to help the folks in the nursing home? What are we going to do? I don't want to get political, but I've heard enough people say it's the church's job, not the government's job, to take care of those that are hurting. I believe that. And I'm not saying the government should not, should or should not be involved in that. I'm not getting political at all. I'm only saying that biblically speaking, God didn't give the government that role to take on. He gave it to the church to take on. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. If the government wants to do that, okay. But we are here to do that. That's our job. It's our task given by God. So, it's my expectation, and I would like it to be 100% to tell you the truth, (laughs) that all of you have an area where you're serving in the community. Whether you do that through your community group, whether you join a ministry team, or whether it's some secret service that we will never, ever know about. (laughs) Okay? I'm okay with that too. I would love all of you to be serving somewhere. That's my intention. That's God's intention. And if you're not, then you're not meeting God's expectations for your life. Sometimes we ask ourselves, God, what's your will for my life? What do you want me to do? And one of his answers is always going to be, serve people. Figure out a place where you can plug in and serve. Um, Part of that, as far as um, spiritual gifts are concerned, I understand that we need to know what our spiritual gifts are. I think that needs to be talked about in your community groups. I want to make a spiritual gifts inventory available to you to use to kind of say, here's some questions that might get at where my spiritual gifts lie. Keeping in mind that no test will tell you who you really are. It's when you get out there and start using your gifts that you see where God blesses, right? Uh, When I was in high school, the last thing I ever wanted to do was speak in public. God has a sense of humor. Um, (laughs) I remember my speech class being so scared, so scared. Um, But this is what God does. He does what he wants and distributes gifts as he desires and he wills. And that's how it works. So uh, don't be surprised if you take your spiritual gifts inventory and say, I don't, I don't know, I, I see some results here, but I don't know. And then God shows up when you start serving somebody and you say, wow, where did that come from? Where did those words come from? Where did that heart of compassion come from? It just, there it was. That's what happens when you step out. So serve. Got to serve. Um, let's finish her up a little bit here. Um, Previews. Let's do a few previews, and then we'll pray together, 
and we'll talk about some of the things uh, coming up. I love previews uh, in movies as long as they're appropriate. I don't know if you enjoy getting there for previews and seeing what's coming up and seeing the latest and greatest thing happening down the line. Uh, I, I intend to do that with some previews for this morning as well. I saw The Hobbit over the holidays. I don't know if you've seen that yet. Uh, but a uh, long movie, I saw it late at night. And there was a 20-minute clip of an upcoming movie. 20 minutes straight. That's too long. That's too long. So um, in the spirit of short previews, I will give you some short previews, and then we'll pray. And uh, we may have a closing song as well. Um, first of all, we have the week of prayer coming up this January 20th through 26th. My intention is to bathe this year in prayer. That we need God if something's going to happen that's good in this church this year. We need God to move. So we got to be asking Him. Asking Him for your family's health. For the church's health. So January 20th, we're going to kick off our week of prayer. Um, my, I'm asking community group leaders to devote their community group time to prayer that week. We may even, uh, I may even think about throwing in a couple extra prayer meetings. If you don't go to a community group, you can get in on one of those too. But you're all going to sign up for one, so that doesn't matter. Um, but um, I love the problem to be that I go downstairs and see the sign-up paper, you know, and have them so full that we've got to add more. That'd be a great problem, just so you know. Um, but week of prayer, uh, January 20th, I want to do a prayer service here. I'm going to preach on prayer. I'm thinking right now I want to do a message on what is the relationship between faith and answered prayer. That's kind of a sticky one, isn't it, right? You know, if you have enough faith, faith of mustard seed, how does that all work? And then after preaching, have some time in worship and invite you all, as you have needs, to come forward and be prayed for by the elders of the church. That's my intention, okay? If you have needs, sickness issues, family issues, marriage stuff, whatever you got, come on up, we'll pray for you. Okay, that's my intention, to kick the week off with that. Um, pray during the week for the church. Devote significant time. I'm asking ministry leaders to turn in uh, prayer requests so we can be praying intelligently for the ministries of the church. And then Friday we have Chrissy Simbola coming. Uh, Chrissy Simbola Toledo will share uh, on some of the amazing stuff that went out, happened in her life as a result of God moving through the prayers of his people. Okay, so that really ties in, I think, well to the week of prayer. I'm really excited to have her there. Please invite someone to come to that. It'd be a great time for someone to come that perhaps is far from God because Chrissy will talk about a time when she was far from God and her journey back. So it'd be a great to think about inviting someone with that kind of a background to come and hear her story. Um, so that's the week of prayer. Another thing you're going to find in your bulletin, uh, I'd like to do, again, I love God's word. I think we should hide it in our hearts. I don't know about you, but I don't memorize as well as I should. I want to do a monthly scripture memory verse. We're going to hand out little uh, verses, not this morning, probably next week. Um, and it will have the, the scripture verse of the month. I encourage you to memorize that in your families or just together with your spouse or on your own. Memorize that thing. Maybe in the service we'll have some people quote it that I'll pick on. I'll just call you out. Would that be all right? do that <laughs> i won't do that but i may ask people to respond and to actually quote it okay i may ask someone to volunteer and quote it look you might say well one verse a month is not much but what were you memorizing last year 
I, I know me. You know, sometimes I memorize verses that go with my sermon so I can quote them and they can be fresh. But I don't have a regular routine. And I, and I want that too. And I think some of you want that too. So you've got a verse on prayer in your bulletin. You can start looking at it this week. And somebody will surprise us and volunteer next week to say it, right? Right. And when the, when the six-year-olds start showing you up, then the adults say, wait a minute, I better get, get on this, right? Um, that's right. Um, Easter's, coming, Easter's coming early. It's coming in March. Be ready for that. Uh, I'm planning on doing a series called Jesus Questions. Um, I've always wanted to do a series, never done one on some of the questions that Jesus asked people. I love that. Like Jesus said things like, do my words offend you? <laughs> you know, love that. <laughs> or um, why do you doubt? So some of these questions are, are so wonderful. One of them he asked is, uh, I think I'm going to do is, uh, what, what do you want? I, I love that. That's one of the first ones I think in John. He turns to, to some people that might want to follow him. What do you want? Uh, some of these questions really penetrate the heart. And they make us ask questions of ourselves, which is a really good thing. So I want to spend March asking Jesus questions and talking about some of those. Again, an excellent month to invite people that don't know Christ to come, hear about who Jesus is, what does he expect of us, what is he asking us as people, as a church, as seekers, what does he want? So think about that, and uh, that's, that's for March. If you're not a member of the church yet, I'd like to do a spring membership class. Jump on board, uh, become a member. That You'll find out more information on that soon. And then in the fall, last but not least, um, I should have picked an apocalyptic, apocalyptic image to throw up on the screen, but I didn't. thought of that just now. I want to do a series on the book of Revelation. Okay? Um, I did this once for youth groups. So if they can handle it, I know you can too. Um, You'll find that I don't get lost in the weeds of Revelation. There's some things that I don't know, and I will be very clear to say, I don't know what that means, okay? It's all right. Here's some ideas, but I don't know. But, but that book, I believe, I believe a lot of us stay away from it because it just seems too deep and too scary, and the Antichrist shows up, and who knows what we're going to do, you know? And we just don't want to be there. That's all. We just don't want to be there. Um, but... When I read Revelation, I get the impression that it's really the revelation about Jesus Christ. That it's showing us who he is in relationship to the world. Who he is in relationship to the church. I think Revelation is a celebration of Jesus. That's how I read it. And I believe by the end of the series, you will also. So, that would be another good time. I I know, with with the way the world is right now, I know there's a huge interest in Revelation. I've seen that in people. I've heard people comment on that. Again, I, we might do a big, maybe a media push to, to put that out there because I think people do care about what's going to happen in the end. And we have the answer, which is amazing. Okay? So um, that's what I've got. I'm sure there's more things God's going to do. I hope I painted enough of a picture. Um, maybe I didn't make the big sweeping changes that you wanted or, or get rid of the orange carpet yet. But um, who knows, right? Who knows? Who knows what color it will be next year? So... Um, thank you. I, I've loved this church so much the last four months, and I'm very excited what God's, to see what God's going to do in 2013. And would you commit to praying this month for the church? Pray all year, but commit to double time for doing it this month, praying that God will work mightily here, because I know he's got big plans. Let's pray, and then we'll have a worship song. Father, um, we commit our plans to you. We, we know that if you don't go before us, things won't get done. 
If you don't protect us, we won't be protected. If you don't grow people, they won't be grown. Because it's not us. We know that you provide all growth. We know that you are the Lord of the harvest. We want to see people saved. We want to see people accept the gospel here. I pray you'd bless our efforts both as a church, that is publicly, but also as private individuals sharing our faith, growing, serving other people. I pray that we have a good balance as a church between having programs and having people that are personally committed to living out our mission as disciples of Christ. God, bless us this year. Do things that we can't even imagine right now at this point. May there be great fruit and may you get all the glory. In Christ's name, amen.